0: Tune into the Sunday Wire. 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. UK. Live only on ACR and 21stCenturyWire.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Patrick Henningsen, your host. This is The Sunday Wire, brought to you by ACR, the alternate current radio network. Uh, we took a short station break because we had to just do a little bit of adjustment on the schedule. Uh, we had William Engdahl booked for the top of the hour, but we're moving that forward. Uh, and I've got him on the line right now. Uh, author and geopolitical analyst F. William Engdahl is joining us this week. Hello, William.
1: Hello, Patrick. Good to be with you again.
0: Great to be with you too, William. And uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on. A lot of important things going on. Uh, we've linked to a couple of your recent articles up on uh, William Engdahl on your website uh, on the show page yeah. right now. And two of them, William is. One of them is is obviously about the weaponization of the dollar, and that's the first thing we want to talk about. And if we have time to uh, talk about the uh, uh, Xinjiang province in, in western China and what's going on there and how that might affect the Belt and Road uh, project going forward. But in terms of the financial, I mean, everybody's watching the news, William, and I, I think it's, it's a kind of a consensus that there are a number of bubbles right now. Uh, and I was hoping you could give us a little insight of what some of these major bubbles to look out for. You've alluded to some of these uh, in your article, especially with regards to the Federal Reserve raising interest rates and what that could mean to the world economy, uh, and why so many people are exposed as well to this problem. But um, it's, I mean, I think I think we're on the it, with the stock market, uh, in the, re- the recent dip in the stock market, everybody's talking about. There's a correct. There's a major correction coming. Uh, there's the interest rate issues. Big, William. Wh- wh- what are you looking at right now? Is is the thing that people really have to look out for?
1: I think what what we're witnessing is the deliberate triggering by the Federal Reserve again, yet again, uh, of a major blowout of a financial bubble that the Federal Reserve, after 2008, September, deliberately created when they brought interest rates down to zero and held them virtually at that level, unprecedented in in central banking history in in, in the U.S. for a decade, almost a decade. And what that uh, created was the atmosphere where banks could virtually borrow for nothing and re-lend at higher interest rates. And they naturally went to where the returns were greatest as long as the, the money was flowing. They went to high-risk emerging market countries like Turkey, like Indonesia, uh, to a certain extent China later in the day, and, uh, and Russia before the sanctions uh, really got onerous about a year and a half ago. And then inside the U.S., it created bubbles everywhere, as some economists call it, the everything bubble. It created a bubble again in housing subprime real estate, no interest loans, uh, liar loans, the whole shebang that we had back in 2003, 2007, around under Greenspan. Uh, before he got out in a timely fashion to drop the loaded hand grenade on Ben Bernanke's lap. And we have a a bubble in junk bonds for not only shale oil, but uh, almost anything you can mention. We have a bubble in uh, college loans of $1.3 trillion in the U.S. And when the stock market and the higher interest rates cause Uh, any one of these bubbles to to begin uh, popping, uh, the thing will have a a snowballing effect that will go through the entire economy so that uh, people with these high-interest college loans will be unable to service those loans. So the Fed, once again, has deliberately uh, initiated a reorganization or reset of the global financial system. And the effects of that start at the so-called periphery, the emerging market countries. And now they're coming back in uh, to the central core, to Europe, especially Italy, where you have a very unstable situation there with the state debt indebtedness. And uh, now slowly it's beginning to hit uh, the U.S., Uh, bond market, and then from there it goes into the stock market because higher interest rates uh, are traditionally not healthy for business expansion. So the liquidity is drying up. It's called quantitative tightening by some. It's the opposite of quantitative easing when the Fed simply brought interest rates down to zero and was giving what Bernanke called helicopter money into the economy. But it didn't really go into the economy. This is the tragic thing about it. It went into the big banks, and the big banks loaned it out all around the world wherever risk was highest, but return rates were highest as long as the money flowed. So once you shift the, uh, the super tanker of, of the Federal Reserve money creation machine into reverse, uh, it begins to have a chilling effect on, on the entire global economy.
0: And, uh, and, and William, so in terms of, uh, there's a lot of countries and uh, we won't get into the details of, of how this came to be, but let's just suffice to say, uh, the, the, the Bretton, when, when the Bretton Woods, uh, system, uh, turned over with Nixon and it went off the gold standard and then it became the petrodollar and a lot of countries, uh, of basically recycling petrodollars, but also buying U.S. debt, uh, and so in a sense, the the world, even the emerging markets, they're they're financing U.S. Uh, government deficit spending uh, in a way, and uh, so but they're all hooked on dollars and cheap, cheap, yeah. the cheap, the cheaper the better. So what you're saying, William, is that it's like a drug addict who's hooked on heroin, and all of a sudden the price goes up. Uh, and there's no way they can get off because they're so dependent on the dollar. Um, it's very yeah. hard to get off, but it's going to be, what's that going to mean, William? Is that austerity across the board in some of these countries? Does it mean they're going to have to cut back on social programs, uh, food uh, subsidies? I'm talking about Africa, Asia, emerging markets. What, wh- how is this going to affect them?
1: All of that. It, it's going to look at the interest rates of the central bank in Argentina, one of the affected countries of this of this process, it's over 60%. I mean, that's, that's uh, impossible. The uh, interest rates in Turkey are something like uh, 24% the last time I looked. And again, you can't have a healthy economy, uh, industrial economy, investment in infrastructure and so forth at, at those interest rates. The whole scenario is taking place parallel with the Trump trade war uh, strategy. So, I think what we're watching is a slow motion, which can very quickly turn into a fast motion, uh, destruction of growth on a world scale. And who benefits from that? This seems like it's mad if you say the U.S. is doing this. It's not the U.S. It's what I call the title of uh, one of my books on this, Gods of Money, uh, the Titans of Wall Street and, and City of London. And... They create the money. They create the crashes. Historically, the 1929 stock market crash was deliberately created by the Federal Reserve in collusion with Montague Norman of the Bank of England uh, in order to stabilize Britain and the, and the gold standard at the expense of of the uh, creating a stock market bubble that then they popped in 1929 October. So. This is the game they create artificial bubbles the 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 whole economic study of business cycle theory is hogwash to put it bluntly it's it's the cycles of federal reserve or central bank money creation and money destruction and each time you have one of these cycles the control look at the size of the balance sheet of JP Morgan Chase of Goldman Sachs of uh, Bank of America and so forth before 2007 and look at the size of their balance sheet today. And that's where the money has gone. That's where the money has gone. And it's a creation centralization of financial power in the hands of ever fewer mega banks, global banks that are part of this dollar system, as I call it.
0: and, and the, the amazing thing is that so many countries that have accumulated um, large uh, amounts of dollar debt, they're, they're having to take out loans. What's been okay when it's at zero interest or uh, you know just above zero, um, there's cheap money available to service your old loans. But when interest rates go up, and this is what you're saying uh, is happening uh, right now with the Federal Reserve in the United States, then those dollars become more expensive. Uh, oh, and very so- much, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that changes the whole balance sheet, doesn't it, for any country that has basically been relying on all this cheap money now for, what, 10 years since uh, yeah. 2008?
1: It's unprecedented. It's uh, And then those borrowings, those debts have to be rolled over periodically. They're more and more short-term borrowings. And if the cost of rolling that over goes up dramatically, say, by in relative terms, by 50% over the course of six months, uh, you're in deep trouble. And that's what's going on. That's what's going on in Turkey. It's what's going on in Indonesia and in Argentina and Brazil and South Africa uh, and so forth, to an extent in Russia. But there it's more uh, the political sanctions uh, war that's going on with the U.S.
0: Wow. So, so I know I know a lot of people don't look at the Federal Reserve as, let's say, um, part of um, the international. A lot of people will look at the Federal Reserve Bank. This is the central bank of the United States. Uh, is a private bank which uh, issues the money, uh, and we'll look at it as a U.S. institution. But there, they, they a lot of people won't relate to it as an international institution. They also won't relate to it in terms of uh, the Federal Reserve projecting power or even controlling the balance of power internationally. But but William, isn't this it, it, in this way, does, doesn't the Federal Reserve really have the equivalent of more, it's actually more powerful than, than the military if you look at it in terms of the balance of power. And if you, if you determine uh, a country's capabilities and power based on their financial worth or their financial capabilities because let's face it you need money to 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 buy weapons to raise armies to patrol your seas and your interests uh at home in a way um so really could you look at the fed as is a tool of uh imperialism let's say is, the, is that a fair assessment
1: it's it's a tool of Kissinger said back in the 1970s when he was Secretary of State and really running the Nixon administration policy during the oil crisis and and the uh, grain crisis. He said uh, if you control the money, you control the entire world, and that, that's basically it. What uh, what I document in in uh, in my book, The Gods of Money, Wall Street and the Death of the American Century, is this globalization process of the power of the Wall Street banks, not your neighborhood saving and loan or local banks and so forth but the wall street uh, here we're talking about seven at uh, the most eight mega banks that are said to be too big to fail they're not but that's that's the myth that they propagate and those banks dominate world finance the reason that the united states can get away with acts of war financial economic warfare against russia against china against turkey and so forth with its sanctions through the treasury is that the dollar and the money creation of, of those banks uh, dominates the entire world economy? Sixty percent of all central bank reserves are in U.S. dollars. So as long as that is is the reality, then these countries are are uh, completely at the mercy of of the lunatics in in Washington, at the U.S. Treasury, and in the Wall Street. Uh, Federal Reserve complex. So uh, these are private interests, as you point out. The Federal Reserve, this is one of the greatest political deceptions of of modern history. The Federal Reserve was created by J.P. Morgan, by the Rockefeller faction, by kuhn Loeb and others uh, back in 1913 as a coup d'etat against the American Constitution. A seemingly public central bank, they went through this charade that the president nominates the chairman of the Fed and then the regional Feds, uh, you know, constitute their own membership and so forth to the central central committee, if you will, uh, of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors. But the reality is the New York Fed, which has a board of directors dominated by purely private corporation interests, uh, people like J.P. Morgan Chase, Or AIG insurance and so forth. uh, This is who controls our money supply. We gave that control up in 1913 December when Woodrow Wilson signed the Federal Reserve Act that allowed J.P. Morgan to finance the British and the French against Germany in the First World War. Mm -hmm. And from then on, it's it's been the the key to build an empire. You, You you want to talk about empire? The key to building an empire using a naive American population that has been lied to systematically since uh, the creation of the Fed in 1913 uh, to create that empire of money. It's it's not an empire in the sense that American troops are everywhere. They're, they're in far too many places as, as it is for the, uh, the good of the country or the American people or, or the world, but uh, the real point is empire of money and and that's the, the real danger of the fed
0: so in, ter- in terms of uh, monetary hegemony we're talking about global like what you said an empire of money uh th- this isn't the first time uh that this has happened although it- this is the latest most you know a pervasive most well distributed system in history but before that the british empire had a, a similar uh, they they had their sort of version of globalization uh, with with sterling, uh, but also with their sort of globalization free market within uh, the British uh, colonies and the British trading uh, outposts around the world. And I think it was Lord Rosenberg that said it was in 1890. He said, uh, We've got 40 something wars going on simultaneously. He's all there's nowhere on this planet. <laughs> there's nowhere that touched that, that British interests do not touch. And he said, The problem is we have to defend those interests. Hence, we're in 43 w- different conflicts globally. And he said, This isn't sustainable. Uh, so, so it, do, do you think America is will they, I mean, that even if they pull back their military, and I see that William happening, there's talk of, uh, you know, a change in in geopolitical uh, positioning militarily in the Pacific with with Korea, uh, possible detente there, unification of the Korean Peninsula, plus maybe pulling out of Germany, uh, maybe pulling some assets out of the Middle East, although they're still putting other assets in other places, but but even then, William. Even if they even if America pulled all of its military assets, you can take the boats back, but you can't pull the dollars back. the dollars yeah. stay. so that's the real power.
1: The alternative is ironically being forced by the uh, Trump sanctions uh, war against China, against Russia, against all these uh, countries. It's forcing them. To closer economic and, and even military but political cooperation. And now even the European Union around the Iranian uh, uh, sanctions from, from the Trump administration is talking about creating a special purpose vehicle together with Russia and China to continue to avert or avoid the effect of the U.S. economic sanctions for uh, buying Iranian oil for their economies. Mm-hmm. So this, and also in Europe, there's talk about an alternative to the SWIFT, you know, the the interbank payment system that's dominated uh, in many ways by U.S. banks, even though it's based in in uh, Luxembourg mm-hmm. and uh, or in Belgium, and. Uh, They're talking about alternatives to SWIFT. The Chinese are are doing the same thing. The Russians are doing the same thing. Because uh, what happened with the Iranian sanctions when uh, the Obama administration pressed the SWIFT uh, interbank payment uh, corporation in Europe to cancel SWIFT uh, clearing for for any oil payments of the Iranian uh, government? And that was a devastating blow to Iran, the first time SWIFT has intervened in a political way, in that overt overt way. And now the danger is that that will be done again. So uh, once burned, twice uh, cautious. And the more that happens, the more there will be a de-dollarization of big chunks of the world economy. We have some ways to go before that. We shouldn't be euphoric. This is really financial warfare at the highest level. But it's, it's a war to continue a certain kind of dollar denomination that's, that is without country. It's without country. They destroy their own domestic population and economy as much as they destroy that in Europe, uh, Italy, uh, in Argentina, in Turkey, in China, whatever. So uh, this this dollar central bank model is a model of wealth destruction of anyone who gets in their way.
0: Yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's. Um, I think Michael Hudson, the economist, uh, super imperialism, he called it uh, in his yeah. his his book in two thousand three. I think you quoted him actually in one of your books. Um, yes, Gods of Money.
1: I quoted him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so so how difficult is this? Let's say I have noticed William in the last couple of months. Uh, in fact, this week, uh, you know, China. Russia has has relinquished a lot of its dollar holdings in the last 18 months. I think uh, they've reduced, I don't know, something incredible like 80% uh, in terms of their dollar holdings. Uh, China is also yeah. reducing its dollar holdings. A number of countries are. But, William, but even if they do that and even if they raise interest rates um, and if there's a global economic crash and so many people are exposed and economies are ruined, they can then – just start the next cycle they can lower interest rates again uh bailouts um cheap money and then everybody because the dollar is so liquid it's 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 it it still has liquidity on its side and people will get hooked on it again so it's a it's a very difficult to to de-dollarize with the cycles
1: i agree with that patrick it's very difficult the problem from the standpoint of the of the money masters at the Fed and, and Wall Street is that interest rates are still incredibly low historically. And therefore, when they bring interest rates back down from a level of 2.25% for Fed funds, uh, they don't have far, they don't have much uh, playroom. That's, that's the dilemma that they're in. So they That's why uh, Fed Chairman Powell talks about uh, bringing rates back to normal regardless of, uh, you know, uh, stock market consequences or whatever. Uh, They're in a very, very dicey situation uh, for all the power that they have. And it it requires that they uh, really get, uh, either they go to extraordinary means, but that's what they always do, the creation of, of the Lehman Brothers crisis in 2008 was an extraordinary measure to uh, threaten to bring down the global financial architecture, and they almost did. So, uh, but this time, I think what they're having in mind are are draconian measures like bank bail-ins, where the depositors in in uh, banks will be held liable, like in Cyprus a couple of years ago. They will be held liable for the uh, the sins of the of the uh, board of directors of of those banks like uh, Morgan or, or uh, Citigroup. And uh, if that happens, uh, God forbid, that means your deposits aren't safe anymore in, in a federally insured bank. So all these laws are on the books since 2008. It's been quiet. It's been done. So I think uh, either countries like China and Russia are going to have to develop their own blockchain, ledger, uh, parallel uh, exchange systems that are unbreakable uh, from, from the SWIFT or, or from the dollar U.S. Treasury, uh, it's emergency measures in, in a situation of de facto uh, war. Financial war is war, just as uh, sanctions are acts of war.
0: Yes, and and so and so where so we're, let's look at Tr- Donald Trump right now. Some people will call this uh, William a uh, kind of neo mercantilist uh, stance economically. Uh, high tariffs, uh, reorganizing, <coughs> renegotiating trade deals, uh, pulling out of multilateral deals, or issuing multilateral institutions. So, uh, is this to create Fortress America? Uh, or fortress Britain and America in order to insulate itself uh, from a calamity outside of its walls. Um, Do you see, can you read what the the bigger grand strategy is with what we're seeing right now?
1: I think the bigger grand strategy is using these trade war uh, attacks to throw China and uh, much of the world, Europe, uh, Canada even, completely off balance in order to centralize more power. The empire is collapsing. The empire is failing over the last seven, eight, nine, ten years. Uh, 2008, I think, it was a pivotal, uh, pivotal turn. And they need desperate measures to regroup their power on the global stage. And the effect of the trade war has nothing to do with how many dollars uh, of goods China makes for American companies and then re-exports back into the United States. It has to do with preventing China from becoming a modern high-tech industrial manufacturing nation and not just screwdriver assembly for uh, iPads or, or uh, uh, Apple uh, devices mm-hmm. in China that are sold under the American uh, company marketing chinese technology that's uh, chinese owned and uh, that's not going to be allowed that wasn't allowed in the lead up to 1914 and world war 1 when britain didn't allow germany to do the same or a very similar thing so this is is uh, i think what's going on they want to create a global if you will corporate corporatism, Mussolini called that fascism, but it was corporatism where the giant corporations and banks dominated the political process, dominated the trade union process, dominated uh, uh, the population with some ideology thrown in. So I think they're trying to um, bite off a huge change globally with all, all this action, and it's the world doesn't work that smoothly. <laughs> it, uh, if you do one country at a time, or put pressure on Germany for for certain things, uh, maybe that might have a short-term effect. But uh, doing it this way is is really uh, uh, all or nothing, going for broke, and that's that's. Uh, I think it's doomed to fail ultimately. But in the short term, it can cause huge damage to the world. Mm.
0: Well, I certainly in, in terms of uh, Trump's domestic uh, political strategy, he's trying to extract, extract as much uh, political capital out of uh, bringing jobs home as possible. And certainly there's, there's some political motivation to package it that way. but, but you mentioned China, William and I was reading your article which we've linked to it's up on your website on the weaponization of the dollar and there's some pretty disturbing numbers there William with regards to the IMF's report on Chinese debt um uh, not just China by the way a number of other emerging economies but but, but especially China um huge growth William in dollar denominated debt how exposed are China to 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 potential shock
1: well, the IMF translates the Chinese renminbi-yuan uh, debt into dollars, so it's not borrowing in dollars for $36 trillion, uh, As mentioned in the article, I, I should have made that more clear, but uh, they have huge domestic debt. Now, the one unique, I would say, in, in terms of major economies, the one unique difference between China and, and uh, the U.S. is that the People's Bank of China... PBOC, is a state institution controlled directly by the Central Committee of the Communist Party of China. And for anyone who's been following Chinese politics, Xi Jinping is consolidating power through the party around him and his, his uh, uh, dictates in a way that no one in, in, since the time of Mao Zedong has has done in China. So uh, they can... Wipe that debt off in a minute. The banks that are uh, involved in the Chinese uh, market are Chinese banks, are state-owned banks. So this is one advantage if you don't give away your Federal Reserve to private bankers, but keep it in the in the hands of the state, uh, the government. You you have great uh, possibilities for financial maneuver. The problem is China is also holding a trillion point uh, three. Uh, dollars worth of us treasury paper and that if if uh, that's impounded in some way by by washington uh, that could have a devastating blow to chinese international trade so so it's uh, they're in a precarious situation from that standpoint and chinese that i've talked with experts on international finance uh, who are uh, chinese nationals have told me that the using this trade war is, as a attack weapon has been a devastating blow to China. They lie about what, how well their economy is doing, but in reality, uh, the economic stresses are enormous in China over the last uh, six or eight months. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and also I, I noticed, you know, for years Japan has been the number one oil importer uh, in the Pacific Rim, and that that's, you know, this part of East Asia, and China is now surpassing them in terms of oil imports, and that's only going to grow, William, um, the trajectory on China in terms of fuel consumption is just uh, massive. Uh, up, up, upwards um, trajectory. So, yeah. so, the, so they and, and a lot of those, a lot of the, the the millions of barrels of oil that they're buying every month, those are those are going to be bought in dollars as well. So they do they do need to keep a lot of dollars, China, uh, in order to. They,
1: they do, yeah, they do. They what they're doing is trying to shift a little bit of that over to Russia uh, to buy Russian oil. Russia's the <laughs> Biggest or second biggest producer after Saudi Arabia uh, and the U.S. If you uh, include that, but uh, uh, and uh, Iran now. So how that works with the sanctions on November four is yet to be seen. But but uh, uh, I would say to pull all this together, uh, the American superpower, the sole hegemon is in a rage state against the entire world trying to regroup its its uh, leverage to control uh, the the wealth of the world essentially and uh, the world is is not too happy with that most of the world so how how people come together i mean many of these governments are corrupt governments uh, uh, but that's not the point the point is politically where they go with their with their uh, policies to counter the dollar and people like paul craig roberts have rightly pointed out this is the achilles heel and if they don't somehow get out from the domination of the dollar system they're they're uh, toast (laughs) to put it bluntly
0: yeah and and a lot of people are diversifying you mentioned crypto uh i know venezuela uh, launched the uh bullet, the sort of crypto boulevard as it were uh which is i think it's Petrol, called the, Pe- yeah. the Petro yeah and that's kind of linked yeah. to the to the oil trade so so there is diversification but as you said william earlier this is a long process and it's not anything that can yeah. can happen overnight um but uh and so so meanwhile the emperor nero in uh washington dc is um setting a light uh to the world and it's uh, attacking his enemies, uh, attacking his friends, uh, attacking everybody, uh, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so it is. It, 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 I, I, this has all the signs of an empire in decline, William. Uh, so it's just to it, me a que- question of time.
1: It does, and uh, it's it's really uh, unprecedented in in uh, post. 20th century history, or, or the history of the last century, let's say, the British Empire was a much more predictable uh, demise because you had the rise of the American Empire, even though they don't call it an American Empire. But now, it, China is not in a position to gently rise up to be the, the dominating lion of the world economy. It's not, it's, it's not there. It's got huge problems. Uh, domestic and uh, technological, militarily and otherwise. So keep in mind, it was a 30 years war between 1914 and 1944 that uh, decided that the U.S. would be the sole hegemon after World War II.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, and speak and so one of the last things I wanted to talk about, we'll move from the from the financial warfare or the financial terrorism, as some people might call it. Um, it Looking at China's Belt and Road projects, and this, is, this has obviously been on the books for a long time. Uh, I think Brzezinski talked about it in, in the late 90s even uh, in one of his books. But the Belt and Road Project, so this is about connecting Asia with Europe uh, in, via the Middle East. Uh, so we're talking about overland trade routes, but also naval uh, trade routes as well, and a combination of both. Uh so and we have a situation in western China that seems to be getting a lot of uh, media attention right now uh William in the western province and the plight of the Uyghur uh people. Uh and we see a lot of a lot of people out there if anyone's listening you've probably seen the stories 1 million interned in camps uh but it's very difficult to know exactly what the situation is. I know you've been following this, William, um, but if you could just uh, give us a quick summary of what you think uh, is happening uh, in, Z- and I think it's uh, Xinjiang, Xinjiang. Pro- Z- Xinjiang yep. province. Yes, go ahead. Yep.
1: Well, Xinjiang province happens to be the crossroads of all the crucial energy pipelines that go from Kazakhstan, from Russia, Central Asia, into Chinese economy. And uh, Xinjiang province also has a sizable Uyghur minority of Muslim background. Uh, uh, the Turks call it East Turkmenistan. And the CIA, going back to the Cold War, and people like... like. Uh, 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 but well, anyway, the CIA, going back to the Cold War, uh, the name slips me at the moment, but uh, I'll, uh, Graham E. Fuller uh, talked about using uh, Muslims to uh, control the power, economic power of China the way the CIA used Muslims in Afghanistan during the 1980s, the Mujahideen. To destroy the uh, Russian influence in in Central Asia and Afghanistan, mm-hmm. so th- the CIA has been involved in bringing uh, initially when Turkey was was uh, very much dominated by fetullah Gulen and uh, who was a CIA protege had a huge network inside Turkey still does by my estimation, but uh, they would bring Uyghur students. Uh, on a study visa to istanbul and then the intelligence services would uh, kidnap them and bring them into training camps run by uh, mossad by turkish mit intelligence by the cia and so forth this was uh, back in 2009 2011 around around the beginning of the arab spring uh, hillary clinton's arab spring and Then they would send them into Syria to become terrorists against uh, al-Qaeda or uh, later ISIS against the regime of Bashar al-Assad. Now what's been happening is these seasoned terrorists are being sent back into China to be sleeper agents in in Xinjiang province where uh, these crucial energy pipelines crisscross, or other parts of China even, and this is a ticking time bomb. So it's clear that uh, Xi Jinping and the government are uh, very alarmed about the situation. If one million Uyghurs are uh, detained in these in these uh, concentration camps, uh, I can't say. It's uh, most of the evidence comes from open society web pages or organizations that are tied to Radio Free uh, Asia, which is a CIA uh communication front for the government so it's it's very hard to independently judge <laughs> but at the very least it's a huge problem for china and they're very alarmed about it so i think uh, that's the essential point i i'm by no means uh, enthusiastic about some of the signals that i see coming out of even chinese state media about uh, uh, differences of opinion and so forth but the difficulty is uh, when you have such a precarious economic situation, then it's very easy to have sleeper agents like in Hong Kong start suddenly demanding independence for Hong Kong from mainland China, a referendum or this or that, and then that goes to mainland China, and it spreads like wildfire because you still, incredibly enough, the National Endowment for Democracy, the CIA front created under Reagan, still spends up to $7 million dollars a year on different projects in china so the chinese are have huge holes in their gaping holes in their state security apparatus mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, the National Endowment for Democracy, the National Democratic Institute, uh, and a lot of these, they're funded directly by the U.S. State Department, and of course these were some of the main actors uh, in the Ukraine, William, uh, in the run-up to to that coup d'etat, which uh, a lot of people uh, from the Obama administration don't like to use the word coup for some reason, they get very upset uh, when you say there was a coup in the Ukraine, but...
1: Well, George Friedman, the founder of Stratfor, which is a uh, Pentagon-linked private intelligence service, was quite open. He said this was the most blatant coup d'etat in U.S. history, the Ukraine, in 2014, February. And uh, Victoria Newland, the assistant secretary, uh, was playing a key role, as did Vice President Biden. And John Brennan, the knuckle-dragging ex-head of the CIA, was deeply involved in that, so people just have to do basic research and and it's a lot of it's out there despite all the censorship going on by Google and Facebook and company it's mm-hmm. it's there to be found the, the scrubbing isn't yet complete but we better we better <laughs> move quickly because it's it's expanding yeah
0: yeah well it uh so we'll keep an eye on on, on the situation in uh western china um certainly that's uh looks like that's kind of bubbling up right now we're seeing Samantha power and uh, a lot of the usual uh, responsibility to protect suspects uh trying to human rights watch etc trying to elevate this issue uh and get the international community outraged over what's going on eastern china uh, western china so we'll keep an eye on that but certainly that's got to worry the chinese in terms of uh, rolling out uh, the Belt and Road project and a lot of the different energy uh, projects that are meant to connect up uh, Eurasia. So it's definitely uh, something we'll keep an eye on. Uh, but uh, William, uh, before we go, we just got a minute left, but uh, obviously you've got a couple of uh, excellent books out. Um, the uh, Gods of Money, I know that you, you gave that a shout out earlier uh, manifest destiny uh, which I've read as well which is excellent um, but uh, give us a give us a lowdown and I know you've also got some new projects uh, which are going to be coming soon I think
1: well uh, right now uh, I'm uh, in a uh, reconceptualization of, of a new project on the the whole. Uh, the whole ball of wax between the, the declining superpower uh, U.S. but uh, Wall Street and the Federal Reserve and the Pentagon and so forth versus the world and how to, how to, uh, how to present that in an effective way. So that's, that's a project that's some months off still. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's the main one on the, on the back burner at the moment.
0: You can go to your website, William. We've got the links up on the show page. William Angdahl, ladies and gentlemen. A number of really essential books in terms of uh, getting a good big-picture look, especially in world finance. Uh, I do encourage people to go go to his website and check those out. Pick up a couple of those books if you can. Uh, especially, I recommend, highly recommend The Gods of Money, but there's also the GMO uh, expose that William's done, Seeds of Destruction, and a number of other top titles there. You can find them, uh, all those volumes, up at William's website right now. But, uh, William, I uh, just want to say thank you very much uh, for joining us this week.
1: Patrick, I'm more than happy to... Join you and uh, look forward to the next time.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That is F. William Engdahl, author, geopolitical analyst, joining us on the live link from Europe this week on the Sunday Wire. We're going to take a short break. Uh, We're going to get back to uh, what we're going to talk about, the Atlantic Council after the break and their latest uh, tome, uh, which they've unleashed against us. Uh, Just this, uh, just yesterday. In fact, we'll talk about that and many other things after the break. I'm your host, Patrick Henningson. This is the Sunday Wire. We'll be right back. I have filters on internets.